Kia ora everybody, what's up? It is Rebet, and I am joined by CEO of uh, the Vodafone Warriors, Cameron George. How are you, brother? I'm good, mate. Yourself? We're just, just talking about it, just navigating the, the chaos that is this, this new world that we're living in. Uh, how are you? Where are you? What's going on? <laughs> uh, like everyone else in New Zealand, um, you know, we're, we're, we're a little bit frustrated with the uncertainty of what's going on, but, uh, you know, we're not alone around the world. Um, everyone's going through it on different levels. So we just hope and pray here as a country we can get it right and everywhere else can do their part as well. Um, mate, I'm sitting out at Clark's Beach with my beautiful partner, Emma, and daughter, Stella Rose, and we're in lockdown for four weeks. So uh, that's where we're at. And you've this is the this is the Power Move HQ. You've got the setup. You've got it all dialed. All the video calls are coming through here. This is where you, you, you're angrily yelling at the screen now and again. <laughs> well, it is. Um, you know, the amount of time you're required to sit around your computer now with, with Zoom and the likes and uh, video conferencing, uh, we're just doing it daily with so many different uh, parts of our business. So it is what it is. We've just got to get on with it. You, you, I'm just sort of a little bit confused Um as a lot of people are, we don't know whether this should be a, a bit of a holiday or, or you're in lockdown and you're still working. So mm. staff is still working that out, but I'm telling them we're working. How is the um, – because obviously in, in team environments, it's very physical, in-person, close quarters, office, boardroom. It's just con constantly you've got a routine of, of, of human interaction that's <coughs> probably a lot less virtual than probably most other organisations, I'm imagining. How's the um, – How's the technology I shift gone with keeping, I guess, culture and community and, and comms going with all the team as you've shifted to a full virtual environment? How's, how's team dynamics shifted in the virtual world? Well, it, it's shifted very quickly. Um, I think a lot of guys have had to work out very, uh, very sharply how to be very technical in this sense. But look, the engagement amongst the, the staff has been really good um, through apps, through uh, mechanisms like we're on now, uh, meeting uh, platforms and so forth and and we're communicating regularly and 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 often um, we have 10 plus people involved so it's good it is what it is um, we're trusting our players uh, to ensure that they're training in a physical sense um, in their own backyards at present uh, when the lockdown gets lifted um, hopefully we can get everyone back to the stadium and be in that team environment again I remember in the States, I think it was the Wednesday night and um, uh, the Mavericks had just finished playing. Mark Cuban was on the ground. They got the text through and the whole thing thing, the whole thing shut. And basically, I think it was within like a 18-hour period, all sport ceased to exist. And just watching um, Scott Van Pelt's show live, he was like, we've never seen this. So what happens? And just the whole, the whole sort of trip and even just listening to some of the players after, the mental... I guess duress at the kind of feeling of having to stay in physical performance, but some of them don't have gyms they can go to. And it's just the, the, the lockdown is almost um, put a lot of athletes at hindrance if they don't have access to the right facilities or physio or trainers and, and, and weight kit and stuff. So how, are, how is the, how's the staff trainers, are they giving them like virtual workouts or what are they like? How are they, how's everyone staying fit? Like how's how does that work? Yeah, so each player has an individual uh, program put in place. Um, some of them are tailored to where they're living. Uh, some some players are in apartments, and and our players at present are actually um, during the course of a a fourteen day isolation period, not just a lockdown. So it makes it a bit more restrictive. 
Um, you just got to make do with what it is. Um, you know, we've got apps that allow allow the players to check in their weights daily or you know every three days and um, steps and and obviously energy exposed or exhausted and uh, there's so many different ways we can do it. Um, it's it, it is a challenge, but that's what I touched on before about the trust mm. of players doing what they're doing, being innovative about how they can do it. Um, you know, it's just part of the world now. You got to be you got to be different. You got to be thinking outside the square and stay different for these guys. What percentage of the organisation was not ready for the instant technolo- technological jump and leap they would have to, to have? Was it a big jump for many, or was everyone kind of in the everyone kind of got it? I think everyone's got it now, but in terms of preparation and or you know expectations of you know being able to do so, uh, I reckon one hundred percent of us didn't didn't expect weren't prepared for it. Um, I think we all get into this this way of life of just doing things the way we've always done it and something else pops up. That's great. We learn how to do it in our own time. Uh, but this forced upon us uh, some radical changes to our day-to-day operations. And, um, you know, I'm really proud of the way the staff and the players uh, are really gelling to the challenge and, and getting through it together. Has this been the biggest leadership challenge that you've ever had like in your whole career to date is this the toughest thing to navigate so far it, it, you know given the circumstances without a shadow of a doubt the toughest challenge i've had in my professional career but um, one thing that hasn't changed through whatever challenge and whatever level that challenge goes to um, none greater than this one is your principles of leadership for me don't change um yeah, that's what that? i've gone that's what i've gone back to uh through this and you know i've never walked away from trying to be you know, compassionate um throughout all circumstances in our workplace no matter what the challenge uh, with our staff um, always try to be strong no matter how bad it is i want our staff to understand they've got a strong leader which has been important to me and um always been empowering um, as well so either through these times or good times i want the staff to understand they've got my trust in order to do the job that's what they're there to do that's what we employ them to do mm. um, and if they can't do that they would never have been employed so even through these tough times i want them to be empowered to to keep leading in their own sectors and the most engage you know for me it's engaging in communication now, they're the four key mm. pillars to my sort of leadership style that no matter how big the challenge, if they remain in place, mm. you know, for me, that's that's my go-to and they seem to work to this day. A lot of leaders right now are getting challenged with trying to, I guess, lead an organisation through not only just tough times, but it's, it's, it's exposing and humanising their actual leadership capabilities. And I think at the end of this, you've, you've seen a lot of, um, you know, more empathetic leaders and being called kind of leading with love and stuff. Do you think... Do you think business leaders at the end of this will fundamentally change when they go back to, to business? Do you, what, what parts of the learning, what do you think the biggest learnings for all this will potentially be for for owners and CEOs and, and people that are running businesses after they get out of this? What do you think they, they'll learn the most about themselves, you reckon? To be better planners. I feel a lot of, a lot of people, uh, me included, um, have just gone along with the flow. Um I wouldn't say go to sleep at the wheel, but, you know, there are major um, challenges that could pop up from time to time 
And I, I feel like this, what this has done for me on a personal note is, is made me completely review every aspect of our business to ensure that we're mm. planned better. Um, so when challenges do come, we'll navigate through those a lot better in the future. Um, mm. And I feel like staff will be the same. I think the whole work mentality will be, uh, it'll be uh, more inclusive and better planned, um, I think, rather than just going week to week. In a lot of cases, that's we're guilty of that. How did the other... T- so I was talking to um, uh, Jolly Hodson, a CEO of Spark, last week, and she was saying, obviously, they had a plan and kind of in place, and, and these things kicked this protocol, right? It's like boom, 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 boom. And everyone just went to that thing, but there was an action plan. They, they knew what was going. All small businesses and stuff clearly don't have those type of things, and they're stuck with a bunch of, I guess, strategic stress. How did the, all the other... That you obviously talked to the other owners and the CEOs of all these other um, uh, all, all the NRL teams. How how did they fare up as well? Did what were the biggest challenges that they kind of went through this whole thing? How how were the comms between I guess the teams and the organisation, the NRL itself? How did that whole thing work? Because there are a lot of moving parts, right? There are, and it's been interesting talking to many different CEOs of of the other NRL clubs. Um, everyone has their own way of doing things and different reasons for doing those. Uh, for me. Uh, the, the consistent thing that I was, you know, getting out of everyone, the biggest challenge was the uncertainty, the unknown factor. Um, and then the biggest uh, option or the best option for us to try and keep everything together was very clear and precise communication um, yeah. as best we could. And that was, that was for me, that's daily um, in a lot of cases because of the uncertainty. So I wanted staff and players to understand where we're going, what we're doing, and it might have only been for the next 24 hours, but at least they they trusted where we're going and why we're doing it, and they knew it. And that, to me, that was a critical part. Mm-hmm. And I did see that, you know, that, that was a consistent method across most, most clubs. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of um, fireside chat, CEO behind the closed door, conversations after this whole thing so we're just like navigating leadership through this with with there's so many dy- dynamics to it you know the um uh, one of the things here i was going to ask about is warriors tv was about to pop off it's about to roll the whole thing was <laughs> yeah <laughs> what's the biggest so talk us through that like the the the, the navigation around i guess planning when it turns to shit <laughs> like what how's uh, that <laughs> mate, I, I feel sorry for martin stewart i'm catching up with him this afternoon um and and tex you know the, the work and the effort that's gone into launching or about to launch uh, such a great initiative on their part uh, in conjunction with us it was going to be so exciting for our fans yeah um the content was going to be unbelievable but look at the end of the day we'll get back there uh they're a great bunch of guys at Sky TV and, and we're going to make sure we can help them wherever we can to ensure that they get back to the levels that they need to be. And, um, you know, Warriors TV will be a big part of that and I'm very excited about its potential. Um, it's just obviously put on hold for the time being. Yeah, it's that, you know, the the lifeblood of the backbone of so much of what you know New Zealanders is this thing of sport and everyone's in the same boat every single code every single organization every single absolutely everyone when when things get pushed pause like that it just flips the whole not the whole sporting world but the, the whole world upside down how do you um, what do you think the biggest challenge is going to be for I guess New Zealand coming out of this to try and get back to from a sporting perspective do you think this is going to reset 
sports as we know it, commercialization of it, who backs who, how it works, JVs, players. Like it, this almost stuffs the entire thing up because if the players don't come to the party, it's going to be no shit anyway, you know? So how do you think how do you think the whole sporting world's going to change after this? Oh, look, it, it'll be different. I think our biggest challenge is is adapting to the to the new world going forward. I, I feel like um, you know, we're already looking at uh, certain parts of our business and and basically deleting it um, and starting <laughs> again, starting again on, on in new formats, um, yeah. which is exciting at the same time. Uh, and and you know, sadly, through crisis like this, you, you do get great opportunities, and we've seen a couple, and we're going to jump on them now and and really exploit those over the next six months. So, mm. but I think the biggest challenge will be staff adapting to the the new way um, and it'll be vastly different to the current way, which has been, you know, in place in traditional sport methods for a long, long time. So out with the old, in with the new and I'm, yep. I'm, I'm so excited about it, to be honest with you. I think there's some really good opportunities. Yeah. It's funny, your, your, your energy is very, you know, positive and optimistic towards what you could do. I was talking to uh, uh, Clive Omerod, who's the CEO of Les Mills uh, yesterday, and he was saying, mate, our strategy didn't change one bit. All that happened is we it compressed the timeline so for us to execute faster, to get where we wanted to go, to, to be brave to try these new tech things, to to push the staff forward with all these other bits and pieces. In a similar way, you know, I'm sure banks and other professional services, they've they've got a game plan of what they think they can do to make a better experience for consumers and customers. You wonder if, if you, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's pretty similar, it's a you've now got a vehicle to be brave enough to try a whole bunch of new things really quickly, you know, new revenue streams, new technologies, new different experiences, new, just the entire, you get to like reset the entire, the entire block of, of how sports or you, your sporting organization could operate, which I'm imagining is probably pretty exciting. It is. Um, you know, we've got some wonderful partners to work with in Vodafone and Mazda and Sky TV and the likes. And, um, you know, we, we're going to go to them and we're going to, take them to another level with us. Um, you know, I think the, the, one of the biggest changes I, I feel on the back of this will be a real sense of, um, from the fan base, a lack of commitment. So you've really got to look mm. at short-term options. Uh, I don't think many people want to be you know, wanting to commit to a, a full season membership and so forth going forward. I think I think everyone will take a step back now and if they can go to things, they will. Mm. Um but I don't, I don't believe there'll be long-term commitments in place from a, a fan base perspective. So we're going to turn that on its head, um, and that's where Sky TV and, and Vodafone and, and our partners can come into play and be really innovative, innovative around what we can do. Mm. Well, obviously, you know, they've, um, yeah, when they've got, even with like 5G coming on board, with, with the power of what it can do in terms of content, like I, I saw at CES uh, last year, you know, they had a, a 5G little router and they had four big screen TVs streaming 4K off the one thing. And I was like, man, that's going to stuff everything up. Samsung's come out with some new new tech and the rest of it. Yeah, the, the, the tech and media integrations from those different partners will be pretty critical. But also on the, so on that, right? So if you look at, um, like, like who gets the lobby on behalf of you? Because obviously, you know, Sport New Zealand, I guess, looks after um, national sporting organizations. Well, who actually, who looks after professional sport? How does that, how does that whole world work? Well, it's different for us because we don't fall under the banner of any New Zealand governing body. Uh, we fall under the banner of the NRL, um, as you're well aware. So we're a little bit isolated. Um, you know, we're not under New Zealand rugby, not under New Zealand rugby league. We're not under any of Sport New Zealand. 
you know, flag. So I'm going to have to run the ball up, you know, pardon the pun, uh, <laughs> to the government. Um, you know, we do a lot for the economy here in New Zealand. We mm. expose New Zealand to uh, to the world through our fan base and platforms and competitions that we exist in. Um, you know, we bring a lot of tourism, a lot of money into the economy uh, as a brand and, and as a team. And uh, we represent this country in a unique scenario. So um, I feel like we have a really strong position to go to the government with uh, to to look for some um, you know further assistance uh, to help us ensure that we're staying at the level we need to to be extremely competitive in a, in a highly competitive competition. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm sure that, um, you know, they'll give us a, a really open ear when we go to them with an option. Yeah, and it becomes, you know, the, the waves of it. You know, you've got the, the medical thing, the financial thing, there's the people thing, but then there's these other parts which integrate into society and, and sports clearly a huge part of it. Yeah, I, I'm... I'm almost I'm positive that whoever's running Sports New Zealand is going to be just thinking about you know the like how to reset commercially. It's going to change a whole bunch. Because so let's let's talk to practical terms. Players can't currently play. If we go out of um, you know uh, level four and people can start moving around, let's say if it's within within a month or so from the day that they say not level four. How does it look in terms of timeline with with what pieces start to move to eventually get to a spot where you're live on Skype and you you go in live. Like, how does it how does it all unfold and who pulls the trick? Because obviously, there's going to be a big disconnect between what happens with Australia to New Zealand, clearly as well. So there's almost like what are the different levers you can and then can't control? So I can just control the club. Um, so if the lockdown gets you know reduced to a level three um, and and we can move around and first thing is we get back to work. We get back to Mount Smart Stadium, our home base, team environment. Uh, back into training and so forth. Uh, and I talk about the footy side of the business. And then if they get a competition off the ground starting potentially in 1 July, uh, we have to work with the NRL about what restrictions are still in place and whether we need to relocate um, to Australia to take our, take our place in the competition. Um, but anyway, that's all moving parts at this point in time that the government are going to tell us basically what will happen there, not us. Um, from a business perspective, uh, the minute we can move about, uh, we'll be so proactive in the community space. We'll be uh, very proactive with our commercial partners in trying to rebuild everyone's brands together using our, yeah. our, uh, our, our greatest assets, which are our players um, and their status in the community space. Uh, we're going to work together uh, as a collective unit with our sponsors and club to, to rebuild ourselves and to cheer people up in New Zealand. Yeah, I think that the idea and the strategic thinking of the, um, there's a big gap when there wasn't enough planning in certain businesses coming into this thing, but almost at this time to reset, you can clearly specifically plan exactly what's going to happen from a four, three, two, one go time and all these different moving pieces. So in many respects, it's given you um, probably some grace for, for strategic time to think about how you can best execute those things, which is actually probably, it's probably, pretty pretty refreshing actually then it's just a game plan for here you go level three go level two go you know yeah that's right and we're going to be ready to go there's no excuse um you know you can't say you're on a cruise ship or you can't say you're at a beach you had no service and all that sort of thing everyone's at home everyone's you know everyone's got instructions for me in the last week i want crazy ideas thrown at me for the next three weeks um so as crazy as i get in lockdown i want to be <laughs> as crazy as my thinking so i'm um you know i'm sure the crazy they get the crazy their ideas will come up with as well but we're going to be different uh we can't be the norm 
um, when we go back, we want people looking at us and go, what great leaders they are during these times. Yeah, and that, that that sense of community is something to the, the the final kind of like icing on the cake when it brings back community and 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 people and joy and and happiness and togetherness. That whole that's a massive part of society. It's a huge thing, and it's not getting talked about yet. But when it finally comes to that that spot, it's just that's going to be the time to do it. So that's exciting to do. How much for? Uh, um, I mean, I don't know how um, tech integrated uh, the businesses from a, at an end to end level. Outside the back of this, have you seen any? Um, efficiencies or kind of cooler different ways to work that you think you'll you'll use in business after Corona within the Vodafone Warriors of different bits and pieces. Have you to make the business, um, I guess, be a bit more innovative or whatever? Yeah, I think there'll be a lot more virtual meetings. Um, I, I feel like people will start to get more comfortable with these platforms. Um, and if I can organise a meeting with someone uh, in the other side of the city. You know, in Auckland, to use an example, I feel like you know maybe this is the way to go. It saves travel. Um, we've got more comfortable, more understanding how it works, um, and, and you know, again, it'll be part of the new the new way forward. Uh, yep. I feel like you know I've been looking and thinking straight away how we can turn one room into you know something where we can have you know uh, a very good. Um, setup in terms of uh, technology and the likes for for a platform that just provides us with, you know, with meeting abilities. So um, that allows us to keep the staff in the office work, you know, work and cut out all the travel time, which in Auckland traffic can be any length of time. Yeah. the um, You're going to have the, the big double header, I think it was it March 22nd, 21st or something at Eden Park. Uh, what was the vision? Something new. Something has never been done before. Um, this is with Nick, right? Sortner? Yeah, yeah. So twelve months of talking to the NRL about trying to try something new. Again, it was it was for our fans to be excited by. Wow, this this is crazy. This has never happened before in New Zealand, if not the hemisphere. So, um, you know, we pulled it together. Uh, it was all starting to take shape, and you know, sadly, uh, we weren't able to have it. But it was a great concept, um, and people got people talking, and it can be a way in the future where less is best, uh, people are time poor, and it certainly gives people the option to come and enjoy sport in general, let alone just one game of rugby league or one game of rugby union. Rugby league's a, a, a global game and, and people are playing everywhere. Is there, a, is there a threat to player acquisition for, in a bunch of different international markets based on who gets out of quarantine when? And is there, like, how does this change the... The talent pool of who can play where because I'm, I'm i'm imagining it could be quite massive right yeah absolutely um so if the uk super league gets off the ground first or you know uh, a rugby union format gets off the ground somewhere else and we're not off the ground in terms of our competition in the nrl you know a lot of our players could potentially ask for you know, leave without pay per se um and, and go and play in another competition with with permission obviously yeah. um so it is something that, you know, subject to where things get off the ground and off and, and when they get off the ground, um, you know, it could drain players to other other parts yeah, of the yeah. world. But but the reality is, um, you know, everyone's optimistic about trying to get their own backyard up and running sooner rather than later. And I think uh, with the restrictions that are in place internationally, uh, you know, that'll probably challenge that thinking anyway.
Yeah, I, I, I'm looking at it if I was, you know, specific clubs and I've got a bit of a bankroll and I'm looking to, to stack up. I almost see this as a bit of a, a, a huge talent grab if you're open for business and potentially win by default because players are going to want to play. And if you can, if you can, you know, lock a couple of crew into some bigger, bigger, um, bigger ticket contracts, I'm sure it's good sh ship. The same thing I guess you saw in rugby to many respects um, could happen to different um, organizations or teams. But yeah, just, I mean, net, net, you'd, you'd hope it'd be coming out. I saw an article saying some of the All Blacks were looking to, to take a pay cut. Do you think that will happen over all sports? Do you think, will, will that happen within league? Do you think, will you, do you think that will, how do you think the money side of things is going to affect stuff from a player side? Yeah, look, uh, it's happening now um, and it's happening for the short term to try and give you know each each sport um, some sense of uh, relief. Uh, however, I, I think the, the byproduct of this whole um, sad scenario that we're in at the present time is your funders, be it your broadcasters, um, who are in turn funded by commercial partners, uh, it, it's just going to be one big wheel that's just going to get slower and slower and slower. And on that basis, I think the funding will you know, drop out a lot slower and uh, a lot less. So therefore, that then translates to less funding, less salary available, uh, and so on. So it'll reset the whole sporting landscape from top to bottom. I also feel it will almost force um, a whole bunch more local competition to get potentially better talent in it and more viewership or, or consumption from it if, if not that it wins by default but instead of having a plethora of a whole bunch of stuff if people really wanted to play and get in the mix it actually might strengthen the local competition for for better talent maybe i'm not sure yeah yeah look there's i think there's a lot of positives that will come out of this um there really will. I, I think we just need to get the right people around the table here in the sporting landscape in New Zealand mm. and potentially have a real, you know, blue sky meeting. And I talk all sports. And this is, you know, this is actually a gift in a way to a lot of different industries to now reshape it, rebirth it, and let's be very excited about what we can bring back to the table. And I don't think you can do that in isolation. I think from a sporting perspective, it's it's a great opportunity now to get a table of 12 together from all parts of the sporting sector. Yeah. And let's look at our calendars. Let's look at our opportunities a la the double header. Let's look at how we can use our players to inspire the nation. Let's look at our commercial partners, how we can make, you know, them feel more engaged and more, you know, their, their relationship with sport better. Um, you know, let's do this rather than work in isolation. Um, I think it's very important. Sadly, I just haven't had the time to probably approach a few people to do it, but it's something that I, I do want to organise in the very near future. Maybe you'd be a good facilitator. Mate, I can... I would be, and I've probably got most of their emails. Oh, uh, you the, can't the, get the, here. The ninja, the ninja move for it is you just do like just send everyone the the, the email to them uh, straight with a Google like Google Hangouts or a video call just the name of it and they can see who else is in the meeting. I've done that before yeah. and everyone just they're so intrigued about what will happen and they get FOMO. So you could pull the FOMO thing with it. You can, I'm sure you got plenty of time. Maybe um, me, you and me, you and Jacinda are doing that'll that'll get oh, them all fired up. So. <laughs> I, uh, you ne you ne you never know. I'm, all, but mate, you know I'm always happy to help you. So, um, all good. Look, I know you're a very busy man. Um, you got plenty of um, mate, you got you got heaps on, buddy. So I'm I'm <laughs> I'm not going to take up any more more of your time. But it is cool seeing, I guess, embracing that technology, and that new stuff. Do you, does Vodafone have a, a electronics partner, like a tech partner? 
They've got that many great partners. Um, I can't answer that, but I, I would assume they would have fantastic partners. Um, hmm. I'll have to ask Jason Paris this afternoon. If not, you'll get to him before me. Yeah, no, no, easy as he. I'm sure. Be, I'm just thinking there's there's a whole bunch you can do there, and probably now's the exact time for it. And and I think as well the fragmented, um, fragmented alignment. I think is what's happening. There's so many people with the right intent, but you're exactly right. There's not a collective overarching thing to, to pull these different pieces. And what you, you'd hate to see at the end of it is a million different people do their little bit thinking that's the one big one big tip of the spear. And all that happens is when everyone does the same thing, copy paste, it just whittles into nothing. So I think for, at a sport high level uh, collective, there's probably something in there. Another guy to get in the mix will be a mine, Carl Budge. He's got a um, good little headspace when it comes to that um, as well. Yeah. Okay. Let's good, mate. Good, good fella, Carl. Yeah. Nah, he's probably watching stuff. You Carl, you ain't shit. <laughs> the tennis was Thank good you. though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tennis was great, Carl. Well done, yeah. mate. Yeah, um, I appreciate it, brother. I'm, no doubt we'll be in touch. And I actually think that's a that's a that's a mega idea. Um, I know you're busy, man. Thanks for your time, buddy. I'll talk to you soon, eh? Thanks, mate. See you. Later, brother. Peace. All right, there's the bro, Cameron George, CEO of uh, the Vodafone Warriors, talking about sport, money, content, partnerships, and all the rest of it. Sport is a lifeblood. Uh, not it's it's such a just a massive part of society that so many people think about you, you know, these, these escapism for many and these passion and these participation, these, and especially, you know, all the people that get in the mix, um, sports huge. And I think what, um, can touch on with a, at a collective approach of how to do things better with the right partners could be something pretty um, special. So, um, being very honored with all of the great humans that have decided to jump in the mix and do some, uh, do shows like these are very, very busy people with crazy shit going on with thousands of employees and billions of dollars on the table. And, public listed companies and just bah, and everyone is keen to to support and 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 pass their sharing and the thinking on board we've also had some um, amazing copywriters that have decided to join in the mix with with what we've been doing and actually taking some of these long-form video contents finding great little snippets and stuff and giving actionable um uh, stuff which can go out to the market so one of the things we're thinking about now is how can we put a collective of I guess all the interviews all the learnings all the insights and kind of a, a bit of a hub so it's in one stop shop for all of it because at the moment it's probably a bit tough to check all the streams so uh, today we have definitely gone a bit more aggressive than usual we have got five shows and we're just going to town and just flipping knocking it out um so appreciate not only all the people that have been watching and for the comments and stuff that have come in, thank you so much for all of the guests that have been um, taking times out of their very busy schedules to jump in. Thank you very much. Um, and to, to everyone. So yeah, it's, it's a good time to reset the business, think about what's going to happen next. And as Cameron was saying about the strategy side of things, um, a lot of people didn't have the planning dialed up front and now they're getting to do that for the next phase. So maybe a thing to think about is, you know, what's the game plan after it goes from four to a three? Three to a two, two to a one, and one to one to game on. Adios, team. See you at the next one. Deuces. Next one, I'm having whiskey. Game on.